Thank you, guys. Uh, if we haven't met yet, my name is Rob Groves, and I have been here a couple times. Um, I came here back in January uh, to preach. Uh, Chris invited me to preach. I'm so honored to be here with you guys again. A um, little bit about me. Uh, we are from Seattle, Washington. Uh, I am married uh, 23 years, uh, have four sons, uh, ages 18 to 23, and my lovely bride, and some of them are here. I would have them stand up, but that's awkward. So uh, we're not going to do that. Um, I would make the joke about my beautiful wife, but she's just beautiful, and that's, that's that. Um, uh, we came here to uh, be part of a church, one of the partnering churches with your church is Rivers Crossing up in Mason, and um, they plant churches, and we were going to plant a church back in Seattle, but uh, in February this year, we have decided to stick around Cincinnati for a little while, so the natty got us, like it, it snatched us in, so now we're here in Cincinnati and enjoying the Midwest, and so honored again here to be here at your uh, amazing church, you guys are awesome. Um, wholehearted. Uh, last week, I got to hear the, the series of practice kicked off by Megan, and she did an amazing job. If you were here for Megan, um, man, she, she knocked it out of the park. Um, but I get to talk to you guys about generosity, and um, I get to preach a little bit out of the Bible. Um, our core uh, verse for this series is Matthew 22, uh, verse 37. It says to this, this is Jesus. He said to them, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. I love this because Jesus basically took the Ten Commandments and summed them up into two. Uh, he says, this is the greatest and most important, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. One could say that if you loved God with your heart or your whole heart, soul, and mind, that the other would follow. They are both uh, a vertical and horizontal command, if you're following me. They're a vertical command to love God and a horizontal command to love people. And I think what Jesus is saying is that if we do the vertical, that the horizontal will follow. If we would focus on the, the vertical command to love God with all of our heart, soul, and mind, that it would be a lot easier. The, the rest would just kind of flow out of us. Would you agree with that? How does that play out in our lives? What ways can we practice that? Well, one way, as we've discussed this morning already, is through generosity. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he what? He gave. God so loved the world that he gave. Now, uh, we got saved as adults. My wife and I got saved in our late 20s. And when we got saved, I didn't grow up in church. I grew up far from church, far from Jesus. So I... I Attended church a couple times as a kid, but didn't actually become a Jesus follower until my late 20s, 27 years old. But when we got saved, we were broke. I'm talking about broke, broke. I'm talking about if somebody broke into our apartment, they would probably leave something for us because they felt bad for us. Like, you know, here's a lamp that I stole from this other place. This should probably, probably go here. Like, we were so broke, like I hit the ATM machine and ATM was like, bruh. Like, now you know. The ATM just took my card and just put me on timeout, was like, you broke, bro. Like, you, you know better. We was broke, so poor, we couldn't pay attention. Uh, the offering bucket would come around, though, at church. And when the offering bucket would come around, I would put what I had in there. I'd put, you know, a little something that jingled probably in there. Every once in a while, I'd drop that 20 in there. Ooh, when I dropped that 20 in there, boy, I felt like I was doing something. I'm like, boy, I am a generous soul. Look at me just putting money that folds in the bucket. Mm-mm-mm. <laughs> 
I am so good. Um, at that time, you couldn't tell me I wasn't generous because I never went without putting something in the bucket. So in other words, I did my part. I did my part, right? Um, but I didn't do my part wholeheartedly. Now, here's why. Growing up around, but not in church, it kind of left a bad taste in my mouth when it came to giving. Um, um, I grew up in the 80s and 90s, so a lot of televangelists uh, promising you things on TV with their little trinkets and their Bibles and their crystal globes. And if you just send the love offering in, you will receive this back from the Lord. And it had to be uh, on the end of that because that's how they talked and that's what they said. And I grew up kind of hard, kind of in the streets around hustlers, liars, and thieves. And so I was like, player to player, pimp to pimp. Don't, don't hit me with the okie doke. Like, I know what you're doing here. You're trying to get my money. God doesn't need my money, right? Right? So, I mean, I was just skeptical. I was like, don't come to me with this given message, with this given thing. I grew up around hustlers, liars, and thieves. I didn't want to hear it. Um, when I was far from Jesus, I just innately knew that when I heard a pastor asking for her money on TV, uh, that something wasn't right in their heart. Then there was my experience, my experience before I became a Christ follower. Before I became a Christ follower, my wife, my, my dear, lovely bride, who's so good and probably more godly than me uh, because she went to church when I didn't. And so uh, we, were, we were just newly married and she asked me to go to church. I was like, heck no. And so she went without me, and uh, she went to a church that I'm sure had good intentions, but they had what we call a prophet liar. Y'all don't know what a prophet liar is. Let me explain a prophet liar. This is somebody who would prophesy, but they would actually lie. <laughs> they would prophesy things to you, but they had like your information <laughs> Like, like they had your phone number and would like throw out, you know, like parts of your phone number or address. And they would they're just hucksters and try to get your money out of you. Well, she went to a church and there was a prophet liar there. And we didn't have but probably two hundred dollars in our account. And she gave it all to the prophet liar. And I was working at a bank and I saw all of our money go out. And I was like, are you kidding me? Uh, where'd this money go? She was like, I gave it to the church. He prophesied over our kids, our kids that we don't even have yet. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't know if I believe all of that. And then uh, a few years later, uh, I didn't go to church all the time, but we decided to go on an Easter uh, because my sister-in-law invited us to go to her church on Easter. And we went to her church and it's Easter, y'all. Easter, Easter, and my man passed the bucket three times on Easter, three times. He was like, here's the offering, here's the building offering, here's a special offering, here's a love offering for the pastor. And my man had alligator shoes, and he was just tap dancing and just showing his alligator shoes. And I was like, no, that bucket came and it went. I was like, uh-uh. I looked at my eyes like, don't do it. <laughs> don't do it. That was my experience. I had some, some faulty experiences with churches and giving prior to becoming a Christ follower. So the, all of that was weighing on my heart. So when I got saved, when I got saved, hallelujah, January 25th, 2004, when I got saved, I got freedom in a lot of areas, but this was something that needed to be worked out in me. I got freedom from a lot of areas, but this is something that needed to be worked out in me. And I believe that is a word for somebody in here today, not a prophet lie, because <laughs> I'm not going to make you pay me for it. This word's for free, like God's love. I believe that is a word for somebody in here today, that you can be saved, 
and still be in bondage. You can be saved. You can have a loving relationship with Jesus Christ, but some things from your past may be holding you in bondage to some ungodly beliefs. You may be saved and love Jesus and going to church and serving and giving, but there might be some bondage to some ungodly beliefs in some areas of your life. It might not even be about generosity. This is just a free off-subject word for you today. You can be saved but still be in bondage. That was me. I was saved but still in bondage to some ungodly beliefs as a believer. How many know if you're the enemy, that's a good way to keep you from living wholehearted, amen? See, part of the problem was I didn't know what I didn't know. I had very little information, God's word, got biblical teaching on giving, and I had absolutely no revelation where God had done something in my heart to change me from the inside out in this area and get me free. I had very little information and no revelation. And part of the problem was my experience, the hustlers, the hustler pastors that I ran into. And part of the problem was I just didn't trust God. I trusted God with my salvation, but I didn't trust him with my finances. Um, I had an appealing testimony that they would trot me out because I was this uh, Saul to Paul experience where I was one way and now I'm a brand new person. And that was great. I had this appealing testimony, but I was still not living wholeheartedly devoted to Jesus. And as I stated, the enemy, our enemy, the devil, is fine with you going mostly all in with Jesus, but keeping part of your life off limits to him, especially when it comes to your finances. If I was the enemy, I wouldn't want you practicing your faith. And I could do, I would do whatever, I'm, I'm not the enemy, by the way, but if I was, <laughs> I would do whatever I could do to twist, lie, and manipulate areas of practice that are crucial to us being formed in the image of Jesus. So what stops us all from being generous? Poor experiences like I had. You were never taught about generosity, or you might be here and your past church experiences are one of an abusive church that manipulated you into giving. And 10 times out of 10, the church that manipulates the people are also poor with their finances. Um, Maybe you grew up poor. Maybe you just grew up in complete lack all the time. And now you're just barely making it, but you grew up poor and you've wondered, how can I be generous? That's something that people who have excess need to think about, not me. Sometimes it's just plain old selfishness. Sometimes you just like what you like. You just want to keep all those Skittles. For me, it would be Reese's peanut butter cups. It's more of a chocolate peanut butter guy, but that's that's all good. Um, Sometimes it's just plain old selfishness. Uh, Whether it's any of these or Um, When we fail to see generosity as a component of practicing our faith, we won't be intentional about it. I'm going to say that again. When we fail to see generosity as a component of practicing our faith, then we won't be intentional about it. You see, loving Jesus should affect every area of our lives, including our finances. Now, I cannot talk about generosity 
without going a little bit into stewardship. So I mean, it might, might feel like a little, little sidetrack here. It might feel like we're splitting the road here, but I promise you we're going to split the road and it's going to come right back and connect because it's very hard for me to talk about generosity without stewardship because I believe they're two legs on the same person. Like you cannot have one without the other. You need to have generosity and you need to have stewardship and one leads to the other. Um, when I think of stewardship, um, the word that comes to mind is margin. Um, uh, a little while back, uh, I was going to play uh, your pastor in a game of pickleball, a few games of pickleball, and um, he beat me. Um, and I'm here to say he's never going to beat me again, okay? He caught me. I was injured. I was injured from a previous pickleball game, and he took advantage of the old man. And, you know, it's cool, though. It's cool, 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 cool. We're going we're gonna to work it out. We're going to get another game in soon. Um, but he beat me. I can admit it. I'm a, you know, I'm hump. I can't lie in church. He beat me, but it's not going to happen again. Um, so I'm on my way to play my mans in pickleball, and uh, I, had, I was early. I was going to arrive probably about 10 to 15 minutes early. I was feeling good about myself. And as I was leaving my home, uh, I saw on this really busy road, this kind of highway uh, by my house, there was a guy. He was walking, and he was just, he was like looking down and just like kind of walking. He would just kind of stand. And, and I, I saw him in his, in his manners as I was driving by, and it just pierced my heart. It looked like something was wrong. And we lived by a bridge. And I, man, I was thinking the worst. I was like, man, I hope he's not, you know, thinking about maybe taking his life or anything like that. So um, I was driving a little bit, and I was like, you know what, let me turn around and talk to him. So I pulled back around, and I pulled up next to him. I was like, hey, man, you good? And he's like, yeah. He goes, uh, I'm just going through a lot, um, going through a lot right now. Uh, I'm trying to get a hold of my brother. I was like, did you need to use my phone? Uh, he was like, no. He goes, I'm just going to walk up probably a couple miles, and get to somebody's house, and, and I was like, I was like, I'm just checking on you, good, right? He was like, yeah, I'm good. I was like, I just want you to know the Lord loves you. He was like, thank you, man, I really appreciate that, and I drove off, and as I was driving off, um, the Lord showed me something. Um, it sounds really simple, and it's, it's going to sound really preachy, um, but I had the time margin to stop and talk to him and not be late. Because I was, because I had built in some margin to get there early, to only to lose to Chris and Pickleball, um, because I had that margin, if I'd have known, maybe I'd have been late, um, uh, because I had that margin, I had time to talk to him and still get to where I needed to be. I had extra, I had, I had a little bit extra to give. You guys follow me? And I wasn't always like that. Um, I was somebody that grew up kind of just flying by the seat of my pants and, you know, I'd be late from time to time. But um, I had margin that day and I had margin uh, to speak to him. Um, when it comes to our finances, how many know that God wants us to have margin in our finances? And not just margin so that you can have more of what you already have, but margin so that you can do what God has called you to do, Right? Um, if you are somebody who uh, is, I'm sorry, some, some people who aren't generous, uh, they're, they're not generous because they don't have any margin. Some people spend all of their money because they have no margin to be generous. And what I want to say is it's hard to be generous when you're paycheck to paycheck. It's hard to be generous when you're paycheck to paycheck. Like you got money for clothes, eating out, kicking it, but you don't have the money to give where God is leaving you. So how do you respond to that prompting from God to give to that, uh, to that person um, that God has blessed you with all this money? How do you respond to the prompting from God to give if you don't have anything left to give? 
Some people are savers. You know who you are. You save all of your money. You save all your money for your future, and that's great. You're really good at saving, and that's a, that's a virtuous thing. That's a, that's, a, that's a virtue. That's something to be commended, that you are frugal and good with your money. But there's kind of a flip side to that. You save all your money, um, but you save so much that you don't have any money to give where God is prompting you. In other words, you're more mindful of your 401k than helping others out. Now, I know if this is you, if this is the person I'm talking to in here, you're thinking, nonsense. I've got a line item in my budget <laughs> for giving to the church, for giving here, and for giving there. And that's great. You might have that line item in your budget, but you're so committed to saving and budgeting that there actually isn't any margin left for what we like to call sacrificial giving. Sacrificial giving is a practice of the kingdom of heaven. Amen? How do you respond to the nudge from the Holy Spirit to support that ministry or that person in need or the person that you just met if it's not in your line item budget? You need that margin above and beyond so you can give where God has called you to give. One of our favorite things to do, I love what the couple was talking about here, Ann and I are in the, in the same boat. One of my favorite things to do is to give to people uh, who God just puts on my heart. I'm just walking by somebody or I, I meet somebody or we run into a ministry or anything and God has just said, hey, give them blank. And we do exactly like this couple does. Like we'll, we'll talk to each other. I say, hey, I feel like God has said to give X amount. And, and Anna will be like, okay. And I'll be like, let's pray about it. And then we pray and her number's always higher than mine. <laughs> and so what do we do? We just go with the higher number. Uh, because, you know, the devil's not going to tell you to give all your money away to help a ministry. And some of you are wondering, like, I don't know if I hear from God. I don't know if I've ever heard from God. If you've ever felt prompted to give to somebody, then you heard the Holy Spirit. If you ever got prompted to just bless somebody for no other reason than just to be a blessing, then I promise you, you heard God's voice. And the enemy is never going to tell you to bless somebody financially. The enemy will always try to keep you out of practice. Amen? Now, maybe... You're not the frivolous person um, or the line item person. And if you're wondering where I stand um, <laughs> on that line, I'm the spender. <laughs> so I'm not out here preaching like I have accomplished something. Um, I am super generous, and I have a revelation of generosity. Uh, but the stewardship thing, it's a work in progress for your boy. Um, but I don't believe that I have to be an expert in that in order to preach the truth or preach the word. That's a word for all of us from God, that we need to be good stewards and generous. But maybe you're in the middle. Um, maybe you feel like you do a pretty good job, like you've got the margin. Um, but it's just become so routine for you. Your giving has become so routine that it's not sacred anymore. I hope that you hear this today. The Lord is inviting you back into a time of sacred giving to people. That when you give, it's sacred. And the Lord wants to highlight that right now in your life, that you are actually practicing your faith through your generosity, that you are actually worshiping God through your generosity. Amen? You can be a generous person, but a poor steward, but a good steward should always include wholehearted generosity.
I'm going to say that one more again for the people in the back. You can be a generous person, but a poor steward, but a good steward should always include wholehearted generosity. Now, generosity um, is big all throughout the Bible, but um, where it's been highlighted to me is in the early church. If you go back to the book of Acts, and um, the apostles are back together, and they get the band back together, and they're starting the early church. We've had the day of Pentecost, and we've had revival, and people are coming to know Jesus. And we're going to pick this story up in Acts chapter 5, verses 1 through 10, and I will read it to you guys. You can read it with me on the screens. Um, But a man named Ananias with his wife Sapphira sold a piece of property. However, he kept back part of the proceeds with his wife's knowledge and bought a portion of it and laid it at the apostles' feet. Ananias, Peter asked, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the proceeds of the land? Wasn't it yours while you possessed it? And after it was sold, wasn't it at your disposal? Why is it that you have planned this thing in your heart? You have not lied to the people, but to God. When he heard these words, Ananias dropped dead, and a great fear came on all who heard. The young man got up, wrapped his body, and carried him out and buried him. About three hours later, his wife came in not knowing what had happened. Tell me, Peter asked her, did you sell the land for this price? Yes, she said, for that price. Then Peter said to her, why do you agree to test the spirit of the Lord? Look, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out. Instantly, she dropped dead at his feet. When the young men came in, they found her dead, carried her out, and buried her beside her husband. Then great fear came on the whole church and on all who heard these things. What if I just left after that? <laughs> I'm just going to leave you all with that. Bring the band up. <laughs> um, I, that, that, this, this story is so unique in the New Testament. In the Old Testament, I feel like stuff like that was happening all the time. New Testament, it's like, whoa. But interestingly, it's when it happened in the New Testament, as church was forming, as they were organizing and getting together as a body, as they were forming, as everybody was just practicing their generosity to form this thing that would go out and just rock the world and and spread the gospel throughout the world, they needed to be generous. And as this thing was starting to get going, there were some people that were not, that held back. I love what Peter says. He says, why is it that you plan this thing in your heart? You have not lied to people, but to God. Generosity is something that we plan in our hearts. And when we hold back, we're not fooling anybody else. We're just lying to God about how much of our heart belongs to him. Why have you planned this thing in your heart, Peter asks. What were they going to do with that money that God couldn't do for them? What were they going to do with that money that they held back that our Lord wouldn't do for them? Were they savers? Did they have the, the budget line item? Were they just super savers? You know, I just want to put this out there that I've never seen anybody frivolous drop dead from, you know. <laughs> it was the people that were holding back. Maybe they were savers. I'm just kidding. Maybe they were planning to actually blow that money. Uh, Maybe they're more like me. They were planning to blow that money on clothes and a vacation. 
Um, but either way, they weren't leaving room for God to work in their finances. What is it about us that says, here you go, God. Here you go, but not, not everything. Not this. I need a little bit of this. What is it about us? The early church came together and gave everything to become a community that worshiped Jesus and God added to them daily. Not weekly, not monthly, not on Sundays, but daily people were being saved because of their practice of generosity. If you take one thing away from this message today, I want you to hear this. Formation is greater than formulas. Formation is greater than formulas. We are being formed into Christ, not performing our way into being better Christians. Now, by formulas, I'm talking about checking boxes and then expecting results. The difference between formula and formation is the heart of the believer. One person is trying to use God as a means to an end, and the other is practicing their faith out of a wholehearted love for Jesus. One person is trying to give to get, and the other one is grateful that they get to give. 2 Corinthians 2, verses 7 through 9 says this, Each person should do as he, has he or her has decided in their heart, not reluctantly or out of compulsion, since God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make every grace overflow to you, so that in every way, always having everything you need, you may excel in every good work. As it is written, he distributed freely, he gave to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Right here, the Apostle Paul is quoting Psalms on the definition of a godly man or a godly woman. He's quoting Psalms. The definition of a godly man or a godly woman is this. You distributed freely. You gave to the poor and your righteousness or your right standing endures forever. You see, when Paul says that God loves a cheerful giver, he means that God loves someone who is cheerful because they recognize God as their source and not their bank account. When we love and follow Jesus wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly, it changes our heart and then it changes the world around us. Right? So now we're back to the beginning in our foundational verse. When we love and follow Jesus wholeheartedly, when we love God with all of our heart, mind, and soul, when we love wholeheartedly, it changes our heart and then changes the world around us. The vertical and the horizontal. Practicing generosity puts you in a position to experience Jesus more because you're participating in the culture of heaven. How many know that heaven has a culture that looks way different than earth's culture? Amen? Heaven's culture looks way different. No one lacks in God's kingdom. No one is greedy in God's kingdom. God's kingdom is others-focused because our God is others-focused. I'm going to invite um, the keys back up. Gener generosity is sacred because it's formational. It's sacred because it's formational. Formational meaning that every time that you practice it, it forms you. It informs you. When David says, bless the Lord, 
O my soul, that's his spirit speaking to his soul. That's his spirit saying, soul, bless the Lord. When you give and you worship the Lord with your finances, your time, or anything, when you're generous, you're informing, your spirit is informing your soul of who you are. This is how we do things around here. This is how we practice kingdom culture. Um, last week, we sang the song um, Wholehearted by Hillsong, and that song wrecks me every time because there's a line in that song that says, look where my chains are now. And I tear up every time I sing along with any worship team singing that song. It is anointed, and those words are powerful and beautiful. Look where my chains are now. The chains of envy, of selfishness, of pride and greed are broken in the name of Jesus. So if you are a blood-bought believer and you are a Christ follower and you are a Jesus follower, this is how we do things around here. We're generous. And you can say, look where my chains are now. Look what I used to believe and look who God has made me. Um, back to when I was putting 20 bucks in the bucket, feeling like I was the man. Um, we were really broke. We were really poor. And we were doing house groups, um, whatever we wanted to call them at that time. But we had four kids under the age of five, and um, we didn't have any money to feed them, you know. And we wanted to go to our house group. And we scraped up all the change in my car and my wife's purse. And we went to the dollar menu and we just got enough food to feed them. Just enough to feed them before we went to the house group because we had a little bit of time before the house group didn't want to show up just like hungry. And uh, so we fed our kids, didn't feed ourselves, got to the house group, little snacks. (laughs) My wife and I devoured the snacks. And we, we got done with our, our meeting. And as we left, the leader came out and he just handed me a check out of nowhere. And I'm like, what's going on? And he's like, Holy Spirit told me to give this to you. And I was like, whoa. And I hadn't opened the check yet. And uh, I look over and my wife's just bawling. And um, I just, his name was Will. I said, thank you, Will. I, I really appreciate this. You don't know. And he was like, well, the Holy Spirit told me to give this to you. And uh, we pulled away and opened up the check. It was for a couple hundred dollars. And that is just what we needed to make it to payday. That is just what we needed to, you know, buy a couple groceries and put gas in our car until payday. And I learned something very valuable that day. That God uses people to bless people. And I never want to be the reason why somebody isn't blessed. I never want to be the reason to stop that blessing. Yeah, God can use anybody. If I'm being stubborn, he can, you know, skip right over me and use somebody else. But I don't want to be that reason that somebody's not being blessed. So I want to ask you guys, what's the Holy Spirit saying to you? Does the Holy Spirit want to redeem you? 
in your sacredness and giving? Does, your, does the Holy Spirit want to talk to you about um, your lack of saving? Paycheck to paycheck, flying by the seat of your pants. Are you a miser? Are you so budgeted out that you don't have room, you don't have margin to give where the Holy Spirit is prompting you to give? What's the Holy Spirit saying to you? Can I just pray over us? Father, thank you and I praise you for this time. I thank you and I praise you for this word. I know that there's no condemnation in you, Jesus. 